In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our texts today, friends, reveal the promises of a new covenant that God has made with us in Jesus, along with the very real difficulties we all have in trusting those promises. This is the story of the people of God. Welcome to it, especially in the face of tragedy or trouble or lack. We've left everything to follow you, Jesus, the disciples say. What then will we have? Is this going to pan out like you say? Have we been foolish to put our trust in you? Will the sacrifices that we've made to follow you turn out to be a massive waste of time and effort and money and energy? Have we made a huge mistake? Do you hear that in the question of the disciples? Do you resonate with that question? Do you ever ask that question yourself? That is the disciples' question, and it comes for all of us sometimes. And it's because the life that God shares with us, a.k.a. eternal life, that's what that means. It's a present-day thing. We'll talk about this. It's not just for the future. That life is ours. It's ours today. But it's not as easy to see and to perceive as the life of our five senses, the life of frailty and brokenness and sin and suffering and transience and evil, where hospitals are bombed and children are killed in war, where depression and anxiety threaten to immobilize us, bodily pain, unexplained, and we don't know what to do about it. That world, the world of trouble, is very real, it's very tangible. And in the midst of our suffering with those things, the gospel can seem like a fanciful fairy tale to placate disinterested or uh, discontented citizens. The promise of going to the good place when you die. But the good news for us today, friends, is that the life God shares with us, that with what we talk about in the Bible, that we talk about in the gospel, the, a.k.a. eternal life, That life is no fantasy. It is just as real and, in fact, more real than the life that we know with our five senses alone. And it's not just for the future. It's already begun, and it surrounds us right now and is available to us to touch and see and participate in each and every moment. Beloved, though it's not easy to see, we are receiving right here and now an abundance of life that can never be taken away from us, full of joy and justice and jubilee, a new political and social order centered on Jesus through whom all of our needs are provided. So in the midst of the chaos and the suffering of this world and the sacrifices that we do make to follow Jesus, let us grasp the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus and see the heavenly Jerusalem all around and stay faithful in the way of Jesus together. The immediate context for the disciples' question in our gospel passage today is Jesus' interaction with a wealthy man. Famous story, you probably have heard it, where Jesus, he he comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And again, this doesn't mean the good place when I die. This means an abundant life in God's kingdom, under God's rule. It's about quality of life, not quantity of life. 
And Jesus had told him, oh, you're serious about this question. Great. Jesus loves a serious question, an honest question. He does. And so he tells him, he just absolutely straight, liquidate your assets, give it all to the poor, then come follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. You'll have what you seek. You'll have the eternal life that you're seeking. But of course, this sounds like, to the rich man, like a simple three-step process to ruin his life. what he assumes Jesus is talking about. And so he declines Jesus' offer. He cannot imagine an abundance of life apart from his wealth. So he walks away sad because he finds that he cannot serve both God and mammon. Another word for wealth. By the way, this is the same choice that Solomon was faced with in our reading from the Hebrew Scriptures. His worship of other gods uh, had to do with securing his kingdom through diplomatic marriages making alliances with other nations rather than trusting the promises of God that were made to him. So reflecting on this rich man who declined Jesus' offer of eternal life, Jesus tells his disciples it's very hard for rich people to get into heaven. Very hard. Which blows the disciples' minds because their assumption is the assumption of most people in this day that rich, uh, that wealth was a sign of virtue. It was a sign that you were doing something right. It was a sign of God's blessing on your life. And of course, there's scriptures that say that it is. We'll just let that be for now. (laughs) This is part of how we're learning to read the scriptures, right? We don't need answers here. We can let things dwell in tension with one another. But of course, their assumption is that wealthy people are obviously the most virtuous among us. And so if rich people can't be saved, who then can be saved? You can feel this panic building then as it leads into the passage that we read today. Because the disciples are probably starting to wonder if they should have made the same choice as the rich man and said, no, thank you, Jesus. I think we'll stick to our fishing nets and our families. I think we'll stick to our own devices to try to secure our way in the world. Instead, they've already left behind possessions, wealth, jobs, and family to follow Jesus. They've made very real sacrifices to follow Jesus. And so they say, we have left everything to follow you. What then will we have? Again, you hear that question, have we been foolish? Jesus, are you really leading us into an abundance of life? Is faithfulness to the way of Jesus really going to work out in the end? Should we look for other ways to secure ourselves in the world? And again, this is a very familiar question. I would say for everybody in this room, it's a normal question for disciples of Jesus to ask because we're learning to see a kingdom that is not immediately easy to see. We did take a risk to follow Jesus, to take Jesus seriously. We have made sacrifices. And so when the chips are down and the troubles get hard, it's normal to say, did I make a a mistake here? Is this real? Is any of this going to pan out in the end? But Jesus answers us with the same compassion and comfort that he answers the disciples. He gives them, too, a straight answer. And he says, listen, At the renewal of all things, when I come to set everything in order, 
you will also bear the authority of God's empire. You will rule in love along with me. And everyone who has left family or fields to follow me will receive a hundredfold and receive eternal life. So, beloved, so though it's not easy to see, we are receiving right here and now that same abundant life, and it can never be taken away from us. It's a life of joy and justice and jubilee. It's a new political and social order centered on Jesus through whom all of our needs will be provided. So in the midst of whatever chaos or suffering that you are enduring right now or witnessing in the world right now, and in the midst of the sacrifices that you have made to take Jesus seriously and follow Jesus, let us together grasp the grace that is available to us today to see this heavenly Jerusalem all around and stay faithful in the way of Jesus together. You're hearing echoes of that passage from the book of Hebrews that tells us this abundance of life isn't just for the future. As important as that promise is, it's important to hold on to what Jesus will do in the future. That's more than what uh, we see happening today. But it is also important to hold on to the fact that this is a present reality for us. It's not just pie in the sky when you die. This is a present reality that we encounter in Christ. So instead of seeing God as uh, dreadful and gloomy and fearful, the Hebrew writer says, Jesus reveals a God of joy and justice surrounded by a joyful assembly of saints and angels who has removed every barrier to presence and abundance of life, whose love transforms and dissipates our deepest fears and frees us to live as God's people in the world, trusting that our needs will be met, that we will receive a hundredfold and that we will participate in divine life forever. This is the heavenly Jerusalem in the language of the Hebrew writer. And we've already come to it in Jesus. Eternal life is a present reality that we encounter and receive each and every moment. And I know, again, in the midst of lack and troubles and suffering, it's easy to wonder whether it's real or not. Because it's hard to see sometimes. This is just pretty words to numb us to the pain of the world. But beloved, this heavenly Jerusalem, this abundance of life surrounds us and holds us even now. Despite our doubts. So I encourage you to grasp the grace available to you right now by saying yes to this good news. A couple things come to mind as ways that we can say yes together. The first is the thing that we do every Sunday which is come to this altar to receive the body and blood of Jesus. This is the practice par excellence, whereby we participate in eternal life. The prayers you'll notice that we pray before, they might seem a little humdrum and routine to you because we pray the same thing every Sunday. But notice, the prayers literally take us into heaven. That's what's happening in the prayer. We are entering heaven. That is the reality that the prayers illuminate for us. This picture that we have in the Hebrew writer where uh, God is there in, uh, in his throne or surrounded by saints and by angels, that's why we sing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord. That's the song of heaven. We join in the song of heaven. We enter into heaven when we come to this altar and we receive grace. It's not just a clever way to remind us that Jesus died for us. Grace is actually communicated to us in the Eucharist. 
We do it every week, and I know it can seem a little routine, but I encourage you to open the eyes of your faith to see what's happening today and to receive the abundance of life that is available to you every, every week in the Eucharist. And second, let us participate in this abundance of life by becoming what we receive in the Eucharist as we pray every week. The body of Christ, practicing justice and reconciliation and peace with one another, sharing with and supporting one another, moving toward one another in conflict instead of away from each other because we're afraid, working for justice together, joining our lives in solidarity with the marginalized together, trusting God to provide as we continue to ask the uncomfortable questions about what it means to leave the ways of mammon behind. All of that is the little choices that you all make each and every week to live in the way of Jesus, to stay faithful to the way of Jesus. And I know it's easy to question whether it's worth it, but I want to encourage you that this abundance of life is, continues to be present to us today, and this is how we participate in it. Just a brief example that I found out about this week. Um, uh, Angie posted about this on the group me. But Lydia and Louis Capp's piano teacher, Rachel, died tragically in an accident a few months ago. She was only 27. And in the midst of their pain, some of the parents organized a recital in her honor where Rachel's students are going to play the songs that she had been teaching them. This is happening this afternoon. Um, and I just wanted to hold that up as a simple practice of abundance that's happening in our community right now. A simple way to participate in a reality bigger than the tragedy of death. A simple act of healing and joy and abundance right in the midst of trouble and tragedy. So giving ourselves, beloved, over to practices like this is how we learn to see this reality that surrounds us and holds us even now. So, beloved, though it's not easy to see, we are receiving right here and now an abundance of life that can never be taken away from us, full of joy and justice and jubilee and new political and social order centered on Jesus, through whom all of our needs will be provided. So in the midst of the chaos and the suffering of our world and the sacrifices we make to follow Jesus, let us grasp the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus to see the heavenly Jerusalem all around and stay faithful together to walk in the way of Jesus. Where do you need to see this reality of the heavenly Jerusalem that surrounds us and holds us? Where do you need to see that today? Let us pray now together for eyes to see it so that we can stay faithful and live as Jesus' disciples together. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.